1: Family.
0: The scripture this morning comes from first Peter chapter one verses three through nine. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, and are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you rejoice. Even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that for geniuses of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire. May he be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith and the salvation of your souls the word of god for the people
1: good morning well hey friends it's good to be with you today on what we call in the church the sunday after you you know this right like in the church world we call this sunday the sunday after or or sometimes we call it low sunday in the church you can count on on this being the day that the intern preaches. I don't have an intern. <laughs> and this would be the day when the staff all goes out of town, staff takes leave, but, but we're all stuck in our homes, and so we might as well be with you right now. I don't know where else we're gonna be. If you grew up in the church, you might know this this kind of Sunday after day well. If you grew up in a, in the church, chances are it was nothing like Kingstown and, and you'd know this day. Um, and if you're at all honest, you wouldn't have gone to church this day because it's a guest preacher and the substitute pianist is in and this one lonely choir member is still singing. You would know this day also because you'd show up to worship and you would open up the hymnal on Sunday morning in this church that's not really like a whole lot like Kingstown, but you'd open it up and, and stuck in the pages of the hymnal are um, bulletins from Easter the week before because, let's be honest, in all the festivities and the holiday and and the vacation, no one came and cleaned it out. In the church world, we we also call this, low Sunday. Because attendance is usually low right after Easter. And let's be honest, our adrenaline is usually low after Easter. And so faithful Christians may say, Christ is risen all year long. But on this Sunday in particular, it kind of feels like like Christ was risen last week. not so sure about this week. and in 2020 it, it definitely feels like Christ was risen last year. Not so sure about this year. And so in some ways this this week after in the church is a lot like other weeks after in our lives, the week after the wedding, the week after the graduation, the week after the baptism or the birth or, or the death. What now? Like what, what is next after this? Nothing will ever be the same. And yet how exactly are we different now? It's just, too soon to tell what's changed but in other ways the problem with this week after Easter thing is is that, that things really aren't all that different if we take stock definitely this year is different from last year no comparison but but things really aren't all that different this week in, in in comparison to last week things are basically still the same, right? The after 40 days of preparing for Jesus's life altering, world changing res, resurrection, you you're still home and I'm home. And you're still reeling from the headlines trying to find something on social media to keep you busy. And you're 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 still trying to work from home while also being told that apparently you're the new substitute teacher in town. And and maybe you're still mind numbingly bored right now. And you're opening the fridge like more times a day than you would like to admit, because it's just something to do. Or you're, you're still frustrated. Maybe you're even more frustrated this week than you were last week because those humans that you love and you live with um, are irritating and suffocating you and you're starting to lose a heck of a lot of love and desire to live with them. Or perhaps you're just alone. And quite frankly, you're tired of hearing others complain because you're still alone. They're complaining about their coworkers when, when you're lonely and at home by yourself, wishing you had the kind of human interaction that, that others have the privilege to complain about. Or perhaps you're still anxious or fearful, or maybe you're still ill. You've been sick for a while and you don't know if it's COVID or maybe you do. Or perhaps you're still mourning Death still comes during this. And and you're waking up in the middle of the night now to more worries than hallelujahs. And so in many ways, the problem with the week after is, is of course, the, the, the return to the level ground after having been on the mountaintop. But it's also the problem with the week after is that especially the week after Easter, is that nothing is all that different. You're still here. Life is still really strange, at at least for most of us. Even even if the world isn't different, shouldn't I be different then? Like where is the peace that passes? All understanding that, that I've heard about, that I know about, where is the substance of things I've hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen, where, where is that? What's next? What now? And so this, this week after Easter, we begin what, what the church calls the season of Eastertide, which is these, this, it's a different number of weeks every year, but it's, for us this year, it's seven weeks between Easter and Pentecost when we 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 ponder with the, with the disciples after the resurrection, what now, what next? And so as we do this this Easter tide, we at Kingstown are beginning this new sermon series together on the Book of First Peter, and 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 so we're calling this sermon series pandemic proportion because of course in the midst of of a public health crisis of pandemic proportion this extraordinary time that will have ripple effects through every area of our lives and will change the world as we know it the church still meets the church still gathers and still celebrates and still ponders the most extraordinary event, the event of pandemic proportion in the history of our faith that had this ripple effect throughout every area of our lives and still does, and that changed the world forever in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the church's event of pandemic proportion pandemic just meaning that it, it spans worldwide this is the thing that changed the world forever and for the, for the next 7 weeks we're going to root ourselves in this book of first peter this letter this set of reflections of the early church telling the story of extraordinary faith in extraordinary times like like where we find ourselves right now. And this letter written, it's written in this, this strange week after type period of the birth of the early church. No, it's not the week after. Not at all. But it, but it kind of feels like that. 1 Peter is actually written 80 years after the resurrection of Jesus and Though Peter, well, you know Peter, Peter, the one that walked on water and then sank, right? With with Jesus, the one that that denied Jesus three times and the roaster crowed, you know, that story. Or the one, you know, Peter meaning rock on which I would build my church, this Peter, that Peter is, is, this book is named after that Peter. Though that Peter is often given all the credit for writing this, the reality is this Peter would have been dead. 80 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and so First and Second Peter are, are likely written by, by a follower of Peter, a, a Peter mini now pinning these reflections. It's now 80 years after Jesus' resurrection, and people, the people of God are feeling that kind of week-after strangeness of faith. And in many ways, the stories of Jesus' resurrection are still just, they're lingering in the air. Most adults during this time would, would have known someone in their lifetime, would have heard from someone telling the story of the resurrection who, who actually had met Jesus, who had maybe touched Jesus' cloak or who maybe followed Jesus as a disciple. It's, it's a big deal. These stories are still being passed on to the children uh, of and from the children of the apostles, those, those with firsthand witness of Jesus. And so in many ways, it feels, it still feels extraordinary and it feels urgent. Like, like they just walked down off the mountaintop. But in other ways, it, not much has changed. Not much at all is different. Wasn't, wasn't the resurrection supposed to, to change everything? Wasn't the spirit supposed to guide us? What now? What, what next? And so First Peter is this letter written to a people who feel like they are stuck in, in a world that they didn't choose. They feel insignificant and unimportant and marginalized. They feel alienated from relationship, forgotten, and unsure of when anything is going to change. It's not all that different. I thought Jesus was going to change everything. And the author of of 1 Peter is writing to them to remind these people of who they are and to encourage them with this extraordinary faith in Jesus in these extraordinary and uncertain times that they find themselves in, that, that though they feel like strangers in a strange land, they, they're loved by God. And that God has prepared for them this extraordinary hope and way and church and, and calling and blessing and baptism and power in Jesus Christ through which they will be strangers no more. And so as we begin this new sermon series, it's important to note that the author of 1 Peter does, in fact, call his audience strangers, not beloved, but but strangers, because because they are. It's what they feel like. He's writing to these these exiles, these sojourners, these refugees throughout Asia Minor, which we know today as modern-day Turkey. He's writing to these people who feel like strangers in a strange land right now. These foreigners, people who who live in this land and lack citizenship, and, and they're viewed with suspicion by the people who who they live around, and, and they're seen as outsiders. And so there are a lot of, of of theories and biblical interpretation about about who these people are and and who who. Who who may they have been? I, but I think what is most likely is that these people to whom this Peter Mini Me is writing are 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 those 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 early Christians those those Jewish Christians who were expelled from Rome by Emperor Claudius around forty nine A D. It was about 30 years before this book was written. In other historical documents, history says, in other historical documents, they, history confirms that these, these biblical accounts, um, and it, it writes it many times like this, and many other documents besides, um, besides the Bible itself, um, it writes something like this. Since the Jews constantly made disturbances instigated by crestus think christ claudius expelled them from rome so at this time around 50 years after the resurrection of jesus christianity was just seen as another sect of judaism and so in rome there was this disturbance it was recorded, this disturbance, this rising up among the Jews as they, as they recorded it over this guy named Jesus, this crestus, this Christ figure. And it, it was disrupting the peace of the city. The Christians were disrupting the peace, distorting what it, it meant to be Roman. Because these Christians were now just talking about Jesus all the time. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the emperor. Jesus is the Lord of all things. You can imagine how this made Emperor Claudius feel. They're calling people to trust in Jesus. And and once it started spreading throughout Rome into the wider Roman community and Roman people themselves started converting to Christianity, the Emperor Claudius had had enough. And so for this, the Jews were expelled from Rome. And so this is who we believe. First Peter is being written to these strangers now in Asia minor, modern day Turkey. And this follower of Peter, he writes to them. He writes to these exiles, refugees, these people living in extraordinary times who are despised at home and feared in, in the new cities that they live in about he writes to them about the, the extraordinary faith they have in Jesus, in inviting them to understand their lives through the lens of the people of God. And so I wonder for us in this season, the season of Eastertide, in this season in our, in our world, I wonder if this may be a word for us for the next seven weeks as, as people, ourselves, feeling a bit like strangers in a strange land. As people who are living in, in extraordinary and uncertain times, God is inviting us to understand our lives through the lens of the people of God. To interpret our lives through the lens of the church in Jesus Christ. And through these letters in 1 Peter, perhaps God is also speaking to us, saying, hey, your life may seem strange to you right now. And you might be asking, what now? Like, what is next, God? But, but the resurrected God in, in Jesus is calling you towards this extraordinary faith for this extraordinary time. And So listen in. And so this week after Easter, we begin where we left off on Easter. In what may we place our hope? First Peter launches off with these words. Did you hear, did you hear Kyler read them? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is by his his great mercy that we are given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is our inheritance. As Brett and Gina sang earlier, this is our inheritance as Christians in the midst of all that dies and destroys, in the midst of all that is tainted and broken in our world and in your life, in the midst of, of all that is unknown and all that fades away, we have this inheritance of hope through the resurrection of Jesus that is forever. As First Peter puts it, it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading forever. First Peter begins by making sure we know this and are confident in the extraordinary hope of our faith in extraordinary times and this, this week after time. In, in the gospel texts, in, you know, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John, in these texts, who, these people who, like Peter, actually had a first hand account of the resurrected Jesus, in these texts, there, there aren't actually many week after stories for us to read. They're missing. Mark is in such a rush to wrap up the, the end of the gospel at, at the empty tomb. That's all we get. Matthew adds a few more lines about the disciples in Galilee and, and commissioning them to keep the hope and to carry on. Luke tells a really good story, a really pretty great story at the end about this stranger who shows up um, while the two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. But that happens the same day that Jesus vanishes from the tomb, and the minute the disciples recognize the stranger, He's just gone. But John, in John, the story lingers in that that week after moment. John lingers on what it's like to be a disciple after Easter. He's the only one with a week after story about, about Jesus and that disciple named Didymus, the twin, better known to us as Doubting Thomas because he had some trust issues that others didn't have. Or, or at least that's the allegation. You know this story, it, it, if you think about it, I, I'm not actually sure Thomas was any less trusting than the others were. The only reason that Thomas got singled out on this week after Easter was because he wasn't there. He, he didn't get to see anything firsthand, which is why he had questions that the others didn't have. They had evidence, and but he just had hearsay. He wasn't, he was not trying to decide whether he believed in the hope that, that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was trying to decide whether he believed the disciples' story, what the disciples had told him. Because he wasn't there. Over the years, I have <laughs> talked with so many people about this story, uh, the, Thomas's story. The story that actually happens to be my, my husband, Chris. It's his favorite story in the Bible. And almost every person I've talked to about, about the story of Thomas, doubting Thomas, has, has said generally the same thing. That they, they know they're supposed to disagree with Thomas in some way but they don't really they don't they never have they 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 like Thomas actually they they like his honesty they like his extraordinary rawness of his faith they they kind of know where he's coming from this this need to be in the room to to see the proof everyone I've ever talked to from every muck of life has said to me that they're they're actually kind of grateful for the story of Thomas because Thomas is their proof that even people who are right there in front of Jesus had trouble believing in the hope that Jesus had risen from the dead like all of the disciples Thomas Thomas was there to hear Jesus's best sermons sometimes more than once he he knew how how long How how long it took Jesus to walk from one town to the other. He knew how far Jesus could walk in a day. He knew what Jesus liked to eat for dinner. He he had spent extraordinary days with Jesus, witnessing his healings and and the feedings and the raising of Lazarus. How could he not believe in the hope? He had even heard Jesus predict his own death though nothing could have prepared him for, for the brutality of it. And that, that extraordinary week of Thomas was just as ruined as the rest of the disciples were at what happened. And that extraordinary week after, Thomas was just as baffled as the, as the rest of them when Mary came home from the cemetery for that second time saying she had seen the Lord. But after that, Thomas became the missing disciple, the one one who wasn't there. Those extraordinary events of pandemic proportion of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the aftermath of them, the uncertainty of the time and and how things weren't all that different anyways, and the mundanity of of day-to-day and the lack of relationship— it had kept Thomas away. He had he'd lost connection. He'd stopped showing up. He wasn't there in the house with the others that night. He wasn't there when Jesus came and he stood among them. He wasn't there when when Jesus gave. His peace and, and showed them his wounds and gave them power over sin and bid them receive the Holy Spirit. Basically, Jesus gave all the hope he had to bring to this little church back, to bring that little church back to life again that week after. And and Thomas missed all of it. He wasn't there. But that week after. When, when absent Thomas finally touched those wounds and smelled the sweat and heard that extraordinary voice of Jesus he had heard night after night after night around the table together he knew what it was like to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It was as if that, that Peter, many me, 80 years later was, was writing with this story of Thomas in mind. It was as if he had heard this story and knew it was for those strangers in that strange land. To remind them of who they are not doubting Thomas but absent Thomas the one who knew that living hope and the life source from which it came because because he he chose to understand and narrate his life not based on the extraordinary uncertainty of the times that that pulled him away, that made him absent, but through the lens of the people of God and Jesus Christ reconnecting, staying connected, and showing up. Friends, this is the extraordinary hope of the risen Lord that we like Thomas, are invited into this week after. Where the numbers are lower and the adrenaline is lower. This is the extraordinary hope of the risen Lord that we, like Thomas, are invited into this week to keep connecting, to keep connecting to the source of hope your inheritance in christ jesus and as you do i i promise you will discover how imperishable undefiled and unfading it is i offer this to you in the name of the father in the name of the son in the name of the holy spirit amen